is the remix. When we're looking at uniforms and we're, when we're making most of our decisions, I can candidly tell you that the University of Nevada, Reno, is not at the forefront of my mind. Whacking that thing around. Yeah, you know what I was wondering? Um, I was wondering when you were going to propose to Brandy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what is happening? I don't think you, uh, her name has ever actually been Probably used not. on the yeah. air. It's only yeah. ever been your Okay, I'm sorry. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. I figured if you were mentioning my husband, then maybe Brandy that's was fair, That's fair. Started off with Tyler Bischoff from ESPN Radio. Doesn't matter what I say, Mike. You're going to write fucking every time. No, so it doesn't matter what you say. Just crush my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Going to miss Josh and Jackson. Going to miss that Jackson kid on Twitter. Well, we can follow him on Twitter, but he always had uh, good thoughts. The son of DRF. Josh, the husband. Good guy. All of them on the way to Columbia, Missouri. We feel sorry about that. Well, just because of Columbia. You know that well, Jared. Back on ESPN 1100, yeah, 100.9 FM. If you'd like me to get into <laughs> what a bleep hole Columbia is, I, I'm more than happy to. Do a whole to. show on it. 100.9 FM, that's where you're listening. We believe AM is uh, almost up, but uh, if you're listening on FM, you don't know AM is down. Uh, here we come back. 702-364-1100. It's Ed and Adam. 702-364-1100 right now. Uh, what do you think about DRF headed to Missouri? Who do you want them to hire, and what should they do with the athletic department? Thomas, you're first up. What's up, man? Thomas? Hello? Thomas, what's going on, man? Yes, we need to hire Patrick to sell the insurance broker. Oh. Well, Thomas starting us off strong. He didn't say uh, Baba Booey at the end. I'm no, disappointed. No. This is the, I mean, look, we... Uh, the press box rarely opens lines. That's fine. I mean, some people we should do it more. Some people shouldn't. We think we shouldn't do it at all. But I'm constantly amazed at how many UNLV fans have opinions that don't want to share. Them. If you have an opinion, I, I'm always told there's so many UNLV fans in town, and I know a ton of them listen because we get the emails at them, we get the tweets, and yet here's your chance. Here's your chance to talk about DRF. Do you care? Do you care that the AD left for Power 5 job? Who do you want to come in? Um, what about the situation, as Adam talked earlier, and, and Mike and I have talked about in terms of it's always this need for someone local. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Uh, if you can get someone local who knows what they're doing and get you Power 5, more power to you. Uh, no pun intended, but it shouldn't be that one just because it's local. So if you want to call 364-1100. Let me ask you this, Adam. Um, we've I heard what you talked to Mike. I totally agree with it, but you're sitting in President Whitfield's chair. He's a new president there. Obviously, this is the first AD hire he's going to make. What is for? Give me your top three parameters of what you're going to look for in this job. Mike hit the point to say it needs to be someone with connections to the Power Five. Yeah, it needs to be someone. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone who was a Power Five assistant AD, etc. It can be someone who has worked with them before. It can be someone who has coached in those conferences before. But relationships are everything, as we talked about with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, putting his own quote, essentially, into the story about Desiree Reed francois being hired at Missouri, showing that he probably was part of that search. So when we look at that, number one priority is you need to have some connection to Power 5. Mm -hmm. The second priority for me has to be some level of track record in hiring, and I, I think we can't look at Desiree Reed Francois's tenure and say that the football and basketball hires worked in any way. Uh, she hired two coaches with no head coaching experience, one with minimal head coaching experience at a small school where you could easily argue that he had one generational player that made him look really, really good. So I need to see some proven track record 
of hiring. And Ed, the, the third thing that I think would be a bonus would be someone who understands TV contracts and someone who might be able to weigh in at the conference level uh, about media rights. Um, this is a conference that has shown very little understanding of how to maximize its leverage when it comes to media rights. Uh, the circus that Craig Thompson created last year around uh, basketball with playing makeup games that CBS Sports Network wouldn't have to air reruns of the car show again yeah. and uh, screwed Boise State over. Like Stuff like that shows that we need more people at the school level who can influence the conference when it comes to making smart decisions about media rights. 702-364-1100. Lou, you called in. What do you got, brother? You know, I think I'll hire Mark Andre Flory right away and just bring him back. <laughs> Thanks, Lou. No, ser no seriously, <laughs> seriously. You know, I, I'm a little bit bummed to see her go because I, I felt she brought a certain level of, uh, you know, just continuity to the program but adam you make a couple great points with football and basketball being the big dogs you need to have somebody uh, you know who's who's got ties in those areas i also and i'm not saying that tony sanchez is the guy because clearly he isn't but the one thing i liked about tony sanchez he was one of the few people i've been in vegas 59 years and the coaches we've had here, the ADs we've had here, are almost apologetic when they go out to recruit kids about, yeah, well, we know your kid's got to come to Vegas. I like Tony because he sold Vegas. He was big on, hey, you're coming to Vegas. And you need that PR kind of person out front of the program to get coaches in the two big sports. Thank you, Lou. Good point, sir. Yeah, it always comes back to... As Adam said and others have said, it's the hiring. Adam, you want me to uh, make people drive off the roads right now in Vegas? We don't really want that to happen, but you ready for a name that do will it, make Do it. Do it. Do it. I love ready? chaos. Do it. Doug Newth. Oh, you dirty dog. I know. You, wanna, you I want know. the guy from be the school up yeah. north? Well, here's the thing. Nevada. Now, I am with you on you have to have national ties. Uh, it's This is the most important AD hire they'll ever make there because of the college landscape. All the meteorites do. I get that. But... All I know is the guy hired Musselman, he hired Alford, and he hired a football coach who's been to three straight bowl games, won two of them. You don't think UNLV will take three straight bowl games and win, win two of them? Again, you'd have to check him out in terms of, I know I know he's interested in the job when she got it. I know he's interested in the job now. And, and people are driving off the road, all oh, the whole blue-red nonsense. It's as big a nonsense as it is to hire just someone locally because they know where Maryland Parkway is. But his hiring, you can't argue with his hires. It's impossible. They win in baseball. They've won in basketball. He gets Musselman. Alford, who Jared made a great point before the show, Steve Alford didn't need a job. He could have just sat back on a beach with all his money from UCLA and picked his job, or he could have just done a Fran Fischel and just gone and been a, an announcer, made a lot of money, and just kind of hung out and talked basketball. But, you know, the 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 immediate response in this town would be, you're crazy, you're crazy, red, blue, bunch of nonsense. Do you want to move forward? Now, again, you'd have to check his connections. I can't say intimately what his connections are in the college landscape. Maybe he has a ton of them. I just always think it's funny where the first reaction would be, why would you do that? Well, I know he hires good people, and that's, like you said, that's half the battle in terms of who you're hiring for your two major sports. The other sports don't matter. People hate when I say that. They've won high at baseball. Um, UNLV has not done that of late. Uh, that's just the name I threw out there just to make people mad. I'm, I'm glad you're trying to make people mad because yes. until Tyler gets back tomorrow, we don't have enough of that on that's the right. show. Okay, um, I, I got one. There are, there are definitely some... You know what? I'll just say if you want to Google things, Google things. There are some personal uh, concerns that go along with the person you just mentioned. Right, uh, right. But um, I would have to think that his sites would be set higher. 
Uh, I think it would be a step backward uh, for him to come from the Wolfpack to the Rebels. And I know Rebel fans don't want to hear that. But if you want to look back over the last 20 years, which program has had more success? Which program has gone to Sweet 16s? Which program has won bowls? Which program has sent players to the NFL, to the NBA, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, They have a lot better track record uh, that obviously stretches back beyond Doug Newth to Kerry Groth and others. Uh, But when it comes to what... um, what Lou just said on the phone, I think there was an important point in there about not shying away from what Vegas is, because mm-hmm. as sports gambling becomes more and more entwined in everything, right? As we see that a place like the University of Colorado has a deal with a sports book uh, for branding and UNLV has had deals with sports books in the past. I think you have to be willing to lean into it. I think you have to be willing to lean into the idea of Las Vegas. Desiree Reed Francois, I think, did a very good job of setting up the corporate structure as Mike Gramala talked about to kind of put UNLV in an open for business mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I think whoever comes in next needs to be willing to maximize what that business is by being open to saying, yeah, this is Vegas and we are a different place and celebrate the fact that we are a different place. And don't you think they could do that and get that person without the person having to be local? Yes, without question, Ed and Everything I just talked about in terms of my criteria are criteria that are going to require looking beyond Las Vegas unless the guest that we're going to have on in 20 minutes wants to take another crack at it. Right. Um, because when Jim Livengood was here, and I'll say this before he comes on so that we know that I'm not just trying to blow smoke. Look, Jim Livengood had big ideas. Jim Livengood had big plans and big ideas at this university. And there are a lot of folks who at that point in this town were still thinking pretty small. And yeah. We need to understand that Nevada and Vegas in particular has a reticence toward outsiders. We have a a mentality that says, well, when you come from outside, you don't know us. You don't understand us. Well, okay, that's fair. But I think we also have to be willing to step back at UNLV and say, what has that gotten us to this point? Where is this program now? Because you know what, folks? It ain't 1989 anymore. It's not. Jerry Tarkanian is a statue at this point, and so is the memory of that team. This is a different landscape and a different world, and being willing to accept the greater uh, college sports landscape is part of the deal at this point. So, Ed, I'll throw it back to you. You asked me for my top three criteria. What are yours? Absolutely, number one criteria wrote about today is is national landscape and what's happening with the Power Fives. You, you It's dog-eat-dog dog right now, and you've got to set yourself up to have the best position. I do think a legion helps. I think, you know, I do think that helps. I know we've talked to Tyler many times about um, facilities and how big a deal they are, but I do think perception is important. I think the fact they have a medical school and a law school is important. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of tier academically, but you have got to have someone with national context. It doesn't mean you're getting into a power five, but if that person has no national context or no national scope, you have no chance. I agree with Mike, your program's dead. And I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with that is who you're fi- hiring in your two major sports. We don't know what Arroyo's going to do. We have no clue what Kevin Kruger's going to do. He has to coach the game. Uh, I think they hope, obviously, th- both those guys work out. But they one might, both might not. So how who do you hire and how good has your hiring practice has been in those two sports? Look, she didn't get the Missouri job because of her hires. I you know I don't know I don't know ultimately why she got the Missouri job. Maybe is her fundraising. Maybe it, you know she's I, I, when she came to UNLV. The one thing we heard from the from people on that committee, she's an incredible interviewer. She goes into a room. She owns the room. Her introductory press conference here. She walked into a room like that's an AD. 
Don't know how she's going to be as an AD, but when you watched her, you're like, that's an AD. She looks the part. She was very confident. I get all of that. So, but I'm with you and Mike. It has to be someone who nationally can get into meetings, can get to the right people, who can sell UNLV as a potential five school. I will bring this name up because we did with Mike. We saw it immediately on Twitter. And again, this goes to a point of as much as Long Kruger checks a lot of boxes, highly intelligent. Now, there is some nepotism rules you got to look at in UNLV's website. Um, as much as many boxes as Long could check, and he's a terrific, terrific person, very, very intelligent. My question on Twitter was, and again, could he fire his son? I don't think he wants a job. He told Sam Gordon, I don't want the job. That's not why I retired. But all these people out there saying Long Kruger, the only fair question is, if your son loses straight, straight years and you don't go to the NCAA tournament, what are you going to do? And I don't think, one, he'd ever put himself in that position. That's one of the reasons he doesn't want that or wants nothing to do with it. But again, I think when people throw out Long Kruger, not to the point of, hey, Larry Johnson should be the basketball coach and all that. It goes, it, Adam, it just goes right to the clicking point of who's local and who do we like as a guy. And that's not why. That's not how you make these hires. And yet, for many years, yes. that has been an uh, an influence that has at least come from those who are influential in these processes. Right? That has been the folks who control the money have definitely put that voice into the process consistently. And if UNLV is going to move forward, I'm not saying that voice has to disappear, but it better be balanced out by some voices who are talking about. Look at the big picture. Look at what's going to happen in college athletics yes. in the next five to ten years that you are either a have or you're a have not. And Desiree Reed Francois chose to be a have. And there is no shame in that. No. And good for her for making the decision to do it. Um, you know, but I think something else, and frankly, this is gonna come back to something that I read that Desiree Reed Francois wrote herself. And I think this is really important because I think this is the quality that can help you overcome the locals. Uh, stigma is that if you're coming from outside, Desiree Reed Francois wrote back when she was at Tennessee that she was doing this in a little exercise of writing a letter to her future self, that she was in a situation where she had to try to broker some peace between Pat Summit and Bruce Pearl. Yeah. Um, I would not want to be in the situation to have to do that. Nope. Um, she said she prepared herself. She was all lawyered up, like kind of in her own words there, and it didn't go well. Then she saw Pat Summit later and asked, what do I need to do differently? And Pat Summit said, it's really simple. People need to know you care. And I think that is an overused, cliched kind of thing. But when you talk about how Desiree Reed Francois could win the interview, could win the press conference, et cetera, et cetera, whoever the person is needs to be not only be able to do that, but to be able to win over the local people by showing, no, seriously, I, I really do give a damn about this. I'm not here to try to get the next job in four or five years. If that happens, great. But give them the sense that this is your community, that you care about being here, that you're not just looking for the next stop. Great stuff there. We'll continue on with Adam when we come back with Adam uh, with Candy's Chonies. And at 930, Jim Livengood will really want to talk to Jim about this. Stay with us. Candies, chonies. Eh, nobody cares about that. It's not a big deal. Guys. It is a massive deal. How do you not understand this? Hundreds of corporations have been hacked in the last few years, and no one gave it. Name one. Equifax. Candies, chonies. Name another. Target. 
Candies, chonies. Another one. PlayStation. And one more. Yahoo. Another. Marriott. One more. eBay, Uber, Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Home Depot, Facebook. God damn it. Candies, chonies. Fine, we get UPS, it. UPS, Chase Bank, Tumblr, LinkedIn. People don't care about privacy. What they care about is a good story. Am I going straight into my chonies or are you going to assist me? No, you're going straight in. This is your. This is. Oh, it. okay. This is it. I mean, give me the numbers. Some, I'm not going to know look, what, what look, they are. Some, some, sometimes you you like to introduce people uh, to my chonies. Uh, it's kind of a cocktail party trick. Um, so I'm still looking outside to see the people running off the road with the Doug Newth the UNLV rumor. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> where the Lotus Studios are, I mean, those cars might be running off the road just based on everyday <laughs> well, traffic patterns. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, yeah, uh, so inside Candy's Chonies today, uh, I mean, there are always numbers. That's what we like to do. We like yes. to give Ed numbers that he has to try to guess at and figure out what are these numbers. Uh, you know, what what is uh, the significance of these numbers? Um, you know, uh, we talked a lot today about how local means a lot around this town, right? Absolutely, it's a lot. Absolutely. Okay. All right, all right, Ed. So, are you ready? Are you ready for your first number? Uh, yeah, there's no. Qu- I mean, I'm gonna miss it, but I love the I love this segment because I I, I want to see how far away I can get. Okay. Your first number is a very simple number. It is nine, and that number nine relates to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. The number of titles won under Desiree Reed Francois. Uh, no. But it does have to do with athletic directors at the university. Okay. The number nine is a measure of time. Okay. Do you want to take another guess? A measure of time on how, boy, not how long they've lasted. Mm-hmm. Um, number nine. Warmer. Total number of years. Ah, this is going to be hard. They've had so many ads in the last nine years. Okay, so you're you're close enough that I think we'll uh, I, I will give you an assist on this okay. one. In the last fifty years, the longest any athletic director has lasted at UNLV is nine years, uh, and that was Brad Rothermel back in the heyday, right? Back when UNLV was winning national championships. Uh, or should I say it's national championship in right. basketball. Right. Since that time, no athletic director has lasted more than seven years. The last three athletic directors have lasted exactly four years. Jim Livengood, Tina Kunzer-Murphy, and now Desiree Reed-Francois, uh, Mike Hamrick held on for six years prior to that. Charlie Cavagnaro, seven from 95 to 2002. So, Ed, uh, do you think the realistic expectation for the next athletic director is also four years? Um, boy, that's a great question. I think a lot of it depends on if, in fact, they can get into a power five. I mean, if you're in a power five, you know, uh, Las Vegas is a great place to live. The taxes in the state, um, you can do a lot with, like we said, we've already talked about Allegiant and what they have going now. Um, but if you're telling me two years in to the next person's tenure that it look doesn't look like they have any chance at a power five, I don't know how long I'm sticking around. And caveat to that is, could they get another job? I mean, obviously, she got another job, so maybe whoever it is couldn't and would have to stay. But I think if they get into a power of five within a two- to three-year window, the guy, the woman or man could be here for a decade or longer. 
All right. Next number, we're just going to add some zeros. 900,000. 900,000. Well, it wasn't her salary. Um, it is a salary. Oh. Average salary of a Power 5 athletic director. Average salary of an SEC oh, athletic director. So I'm going to go ahead and give close. you most I'm going to give you most marks on that wow. one. I'm going to give you most of the high marks there. Uh the the median salary in the SEC as of 2018, so there have been some moves here, but it's been pretty consistent if you look over time. Uh, Ray Tanner at South Carolina makes $900,000. Greg Byrne at Alabama uh, makes almost a million and a quarter. Alan Green at Auburn is on the low end at $625,000. And Desiree Reed francois contract extension, lasted all of a few months, uh, was to pay her $420,000 a year. Uh, Ed, if you were doubling your salary, oh. you'd be on the way out the door too, wouldn't you? I'd be in the car pack. Didn't know if the family was behind me, but I'd be on the road. Am I <laughs> crazy to think the Alabama guy's underpaid? Uh, considering that the highest paid athletic director as of 2018 was Jack Swarbrick at Notre Dame making $3 million. How's the Alabama guy getting one too? Yeah. <laughs> Cost of living? Oh is that God. what we want to say? Like, I don't does know. It, not that hard to make it in Tuscaloosa? <laughs> I, I don't know. You win the national title in football every year. We're giving you just over a million? That guy should uh, be in like the three to four range. Oh, by the way, uh, and not that this is, a, is still the case, but you know who else was making over a million? Phil Fulmer at Tennessee. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 No comment. <laughs> uh, but... The most recent athletic director at Mizzou, Jim Sturk from uh, from San Diego State, uh, very interesting, eight hundred fifty thousand dollars, which would be exactly double uh, what Desiree Reed Francois was getting at UNLV. So, uh, what do you think? It, it, do you think that the four hundred twenty thousand dollars that Desiree Reed Francois was making at UNLV is a reasonable mark for whoever they bring in? Uh, I think it's reasonable. I'm not sure they'd go that high to begin with. I do think it's reasonable, absolutely. I don't think they'd go that high. I, She had to double her salary, I would think. She has to at least get an average. I know it's Missouri. It's not the best program in the SEC, but you're still getting $45 million a year in terms of revenues given, kicked back to you. Can't, wouldn't she have to be at a million or 900000 at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to make the move to the SEC, you are obviously going to get someone to pay up for it. And Desiree Reed Francois is a sharp attorney and yes. I'm sure a sharp negotiator and is not going to go for less than at least uh, double up what she was making. I mean, again, it's a new president. Uh, you always hear about budgets out there. I get that. I understand that. Uh, it's a non power five school. But here's the thing. If, you, if they do what you and I and Mike have said, and they get someone with, uh, who sells, look, these are my national ties. I will get you into a power five. We're going to get as close as you can, and we're going to be in this game, you know, till the end and all that. And you believe the person, and the resume checks out. I I don't think four fifty is is a, is a bad number at all. I mean, the might person want might want might a little more. And if, and if you think that person gets you to where you want to be, I wouldn't blink to be paying them four fifty to five hundred thousand at this point. Well, I, I certainly understand uh, the logic behind that, and uh, I'm, I'm glad we're going to be talking to someone here shortly who yeah. knows a little bit more than we do about it. I'd do it for half. Jared would do it for $200,000 right now. No, I think Jared just means he would do it for half of what he's making right now. No, 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 no. No, I, I still need to eat. Jared would do oh, it for $200,000. Oh, you can go. You can. 
stop it. You can you can go to the chow halls. You can go yes. get a get a meal plan. Yeah, you, I'm a, boy, have you seen that kitchen up at the Fertitta Football Complex and the nutritionists? Ooh, and eat. I could get a haircut from one of the Absolutely. football you players. Could, you could go. You could work out. Get yourself a nice haircut and eat a good meal. And you could do it for fifty grand. Would you take it right now? Yeah, probably. But you know. Life life has been kind of a weird <laughs> place lately. All right, when we come back, Adam set him up, and uh, he's as good as there is in collegiate athletics. He'll tell you what he thinks about Desiree Reed, Francois, going to Missouri, and who should be, or at least what the profile should be, of a job he once had at UNLV. It's Jim Livingood. Back on a Monday, and the majority of discussion has been about Desiree Reed, Francois, and her jump from UNLV to Missouri. No one knows college athletics better. He's the winner of the James J. Corbett Memorial Award, the highest honor in collegiate athletics, one of the most successful collegiate administration careers in history, AD, Washington State, Arizona, and yes, UNLV. It's Jim Livengood. Hello, Jim. Ed, good morning. Happy Monday morning, guys. Happy morning. It's uh, myself and Adam Candy, and we've got a lot of questions for you. Let's Vegas is best. You and Adam, babe. Let's start with the, uh, well, let's start with the obvious. I, I think when Desiree came here, it was no, uh, he, it was no secret. Uh, this was uh, an athletic director who had high high uh, goals for herself in terms of the uh, the landscape. Um, she was on almost every list the last year for a Power 5 job. She has finally secured one in the SEC. Um, you know Desiree well. Uh, does that does that you know fairly describe her? Did she want to go to the Power 5, and what do you think about her jumping? I think, I think there's no question about wanting to go to Power 5. And the other thing is I think she really has done those kinds of things in her career that that made it possible to do this. In other words, she's done all the things. She's been uh, at every level. She's been in every type of job. So she is really, I think, Ed and, and Adam, uniquely prepared to do this. So it's a, it's a uh, as, as hard as it is, and it's hard for UNLV and hard for Las Vegas, I think it's a great move for, for Missouri and a great move for Desiree and her family. So, I, you know, it's just it's hard. It's, this is more about uh, going someone, going to a place, than is leaving. So, Jim, when we look at the process for all of this, you have unique insight when it comes to being in the chair of the person being interviewed. Uh, you have obviously been involved in this for a long time. What is the process like when you are going in front of a university president, in front of a search committee? What do they want to know from you about what you're going to do to lead an athletic department? I, you know what, Adam, I think that's a, a great question, and it probably, if, if there is such a thing, it is the question. I think with presidents and chancellors sitting in front of them with regards to being that person, uh, it has to be more than uh, just a good person or a good smile or a, a, a good reference in that. I think the biggest thing is it has to be presenting, presented Excuse me, that you're someone that can make a difference and someone who has a vision of what the next, what that institution, not just the department, but what that institution can be like in the future. It's all about future. What can you bring that's going to be different than somebody else? It's not trying to attack someone else, but what can you bring that's going to put you apart from somebody else and, and absolutely assure that president or chancellor uh, that, you know, you're, you're the one, you're the right fit at the right time. I think everything, Adam, and I don't want to make this a long answer, but everything in life kind of boils down to, and not just athletics, but is it, it's the right time, is, is it the right fit uh, at, at that right time? And those kind of things, and it, and is, it is the right, right job, fit and timing and job uh, all pulled together. So I think that's probably it in a nutshell. 
Jim, uh, we've been talking all morning, and you know as well as anyone, when, when jobs, major jobs open at UNLV, uh, we've seen this in basketball a lot, it's, hey, they have to be one of us. They have to be UNLV. They have to be someone who knows the program. Uh, I mean, I'd argue this is the most important athletic director hire they'll ever make, only because, as you know as well as anyone, dealing with it on a daily basis, the oh. landscape of college athletics and Power Fives. So when you're making this hire, I guess it would be great to have UNLV ties, but is it more important to get someone who can properly position themselves or UNLV in a realm that if there's ever a chance to get to Power Five, that that's the most important thing? And I think it's a great way to phrase the question, and I think all of the things that you just mentioned can be delivered, and they can be found, if you will. Mm-hmm. And and the, the UNLV ties and, and at every institution right now going through that wants to feel like, quote, it's one of their own. Mm-hmm. At least there's there's a, a some tie in there. But the other kinds of things, uh, it is going to be about the future. It is going to be about the deliverability. It's no different than Desiree going to Missouri. The new UNL, UNLV LD, uh, AD has to be someone who, from a visionary standpoint, sees what the future could look like. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week, next month. But it's going to happen. There's just so many things going on that are changing. That new person also, I think, has to have a, a feel for what's currently going on. We're in a whole, and you guys know this as well as anybody, we're in a whole new world with NIL. We're in a whole new world with the portal. We're in a whole new world with expansion and detraction, because as much as we've been talking about conferences expanding, I believe in my, my crystal ball, and it's not a crystal ball that's always clear, there's going to be some detractions as well. There's going to be some people, that, and when I say detractions, I'm talking about more sub, subtractions. There are going to be people that are going to drop out of it. So the person that fits all of those kinds of things, they can have what you just talked about. They can be all of those kind of things. That just That's where it's, it's just imperative on a search committee with working with the, whatever you know, be search committee puts together and President Whitfield, because he's going to make that final decision, that's going to be the key right there. Who can deliver all those kinds of things right now at this moment in time? And and that's where I think the search committee becomes really important. And and by that, I'm talking about not just the committee on campus. I'm talking about the committee that's going to make sure that all the screening is done. Everything is checked in terms of background. Everything that is known in terms of because that becomes part of the deliverability too, Ed. That's exactly it. Jim, go ahead and tell us more about what you see in that crystal ball, because whether it's right or not, it's a hell of a lot clearer than ours are. <laughs> Adam, you're, you're kind. You're way too <laughs> kind. It, it's a crystal ball that, that has served well over a lot of years, and, and with, with some would say, well, that just means you're old. And that's true. I am. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't grudge that at all. I'm glad I am. I love what I'm doing right now. But that crystal ball also tells me that, uh, and, and, and uh, Adam, Ed kind of said this a minute ago, this is maybe the most important hire, and, and maybe it's because it is the hire right now that UNLV will, will have ever made. And I'm not just talking about athletics. I'm talking about from the university standpoint. I'm talking about from an academic standpoint. I'm talking about from a Las Vegas standpoint, from a Nevada, Southern Nevada, the state of. I'm talking about a Western. All of those in there. My crystal ball tells me that there are people out there. Uh, There are men and women out there uh, that can fill this role and be fantastic as the new AD. The issue will be of trying to get those people surfaced. I think sometimes we spend too much time talking about 
well, so-and-so's done this, or so-and-so's been there, or, or so-and-so, I heard him or she talk about this. I, I think we spend too much time doing that. The right person needs to surface, but it also needs to be a person that truly is interested. I've mentioned this before, and I truly believe this. I think right now, more than ever, uh, there, there needs to be thought put into somebody who, and this is not in any, in terms of whether it's, it's I'm not talking about Desiree, I'm not talking about Tina, I'm ta- not talking about me, I'm not talking about uh, Mike Hamrick, I'm not talking about anyway. This truly needs to be somebody who wants to be, and, and it's critically important to be, vested in Las Vegas, vested in UNLV, and understanding that this is, and, and guys, you guys get it, but there are a number of people out there that don't understand this is a 24-7, okay? not a 20, not a 22-5. So by that I mean hours and, and days in, in a week. It's, it's, all day, it's all day every day, and, that, and more so now in the future because the kind of things that are going to be thrown his or her way in, in this job. Jim, you talk to administrators uh, daily across college athletics. When the jump from Texas to Oklahoma was made, can you give a percentage of the nerves that spawned through all the other power power fives and, oh, my goodness, we have to look to the future. We have to now answer that. Or is it not as overwhelming as people perceive in terms of looking at other schools, wanting to expand and, and get ahead of the game here? Uh, how, how, how nervous are people in other power fives right now that that move happened? Ed, you're spot on. If your nerve wasn't tweaked a little bit, then it means your nervous system has a problem. Okay? And I'm not trying to be a, a, a doctor or a medical person, but I'm dead serious. If this, what happened in terms of two weeks ago, a week and a half ago with Texas and Oklahoma, if that didn't strike a, a nerve in, in somebody in the athletic business body, then they weren't listening, not paying attention, and shame on them. Everybody. This is not just about the SEC, and this is not just about Oklahoma and Texas. This is not just about the Big 12, who now the Big 8. This is not just about the Pac-12 and what they may or may not. This is not about the Big 10. It's not about the ACC. This is about everybody, because this is where my comment was, this has as much to do with subtraction as it does addition. And the reason why everybody's nerves need, need to be kind of on point right now is because this is one of those things. Remember the old game? You guys, neither one of them, I'm being really kind when I say this, you guys, neither one of you are old enough, but remember the old game musical chairs? The old game musical chairs, and I remember many, many years ago, the last thing you wanted to do is when that music stopped, doggone it, there better be a chair to sit in. And, and that's what, in a very different kind of analogy, that's what this is all about today. There better be a chair to sit in. And I don't care whether you're in a, in a Power 5 conference, whether you're in a group of five conference, wherever you are, it, you, and, and I'm not trying to, there's, this is not any voice of great grandeur, but, but you better be aware. Everybody needs to be attention. I can't tell you the number of people at the number of levels that I've talked to over the past week and a half, three of them this morning, of just the concern of what's going to happen. And, and the other part of it is, how quick do I think this is going to happen? Or, or, you know, that. Well, nobody knows the answer to that. Nobody has an idea. I had a little bit because of just one joke. Siglione's been a friend, a dear friend, a family friend for all of us for 35 years. And, and Chris Del County of Texas is one of my young guys who I brought into the profession uh, when I was at Washington State. So, but, but paying attention right now is different than, than trying to alert. This is not a scare thing. This is where uh, on campuses, 
ADs need to be talking to presidents and chancellors. Uh, uh, presidents and chancellors and ADs need to be talking to board of trustees, board of regents. It's one of those things that it's going to be too easy to be left behind and, and of not saying, well, you know, it doesn't affect us. That's the word I hear every once in a while. Well, it's not going to affect us. Those are kind of things where you get left behind. Jim, uh, that kind of speaks to the idea of global perspective, right? And being able to see the picture that is much larger than UNLV, that is larger than Mountain West Conference, and understand where the collegiate athletic landscape is going. Um, I'm curious from your perspective what it was like as someone with a wealth of experience, but also coming from outside Las Vegas and Southern Nevada and trying to sort of overcome what Ed and I talked about earlier, which can often be a perception in this town that uh, that being local or, or coming from a local background is an advantage. Could uh, Because when we talk about whoever comes next at UNLV, I think Ed and I are both of the opinion that being able to have a broad, wide perspective of what is next in college athletics is paramount. Adam, I think you're, you're spot on again. I don't want to use spot on too much, but, but when it's right, it's right. You're, you're spot on with this from this standpoint. Uh, this is one of those things where whomever that, that new person might be or is going to be, it needs to be a ground running. It's, it's not a thing where this is not a time when, when somebody can learn about the profession and that there are times when that can happen. I think the greatest change, and I, I, I know I've said this to Ed before uh, on, on several occasions, the, the interesting thing for me, when I made the move from, from Tucson, to, to, from University of Arizona to UNLV, the thing that I was most shocked at was how good of institution. I'm not trying to be a Chamber of Commerce guy here, but how good of institution that, that UNLV was. UNLV is an outstanding academic institution with lots of great colleges, and lots of great programs. Not everybody knows that because that part right there, you don't find out till you're in there and you get on campus, you get around. My experience, I'd been to Vegas a number of times. I'd been to UNLV because we competed a number of times. But the but is when you compete, you go in, play, and then go home, go back. When you visit Vegas, you don't tend to go a mile uh, east and go to the campus. You tend to be on the strip. You tend to be other kinds of places than that. UNLV is a really unique and a really great institution that has grown immeasurably over the last five or ten years. But my first point, Adam, was exactly that. It has to be, and that's where knowledge of Vegas can come in very, very handy. It has to be a ground running. It does not and should not be somebody who has answers to things that don't have questions. In other words, somebody who has all those things because it still is. George does a great job of of talking about this for the Pac-12, talking about every time he talks, is that, you learn in this every day, and all the great administrators and commissions have been doing it a long time. You learn in this every day. There are things, and just like you guys, in your professions, you learn every day. But this is a unique time. It's a really critical time, but a really good time. It's a great time to be UNLV, and it's a great time to have aspirations to be the UNLV AD. No one knows collegiate athletics better or is more respected within them. It's Jim Livengood, former UNLV athletic director. Be well, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, you guys. Be safe. Happy Monday, and, and go uh, go Rebels, all right? Take care, Jim. We appreciate it. Jim Livengood here on the Press Box. All right, when we come back, close out of Monday. You're locked in the Press Box. Thanks to our guest today, Case Kiefer. 
Mike Ramala, and lastly, Jim Livengood. A lot of talk about Desiree Reed Francois. Tyler, back tomorrow. My guess is there'll be more talk about UNLV and his thoughts on Desiree Reed Francois moving on to Missouri. I Do you find this odd? So anyway, uh, Adam, Lamar Jackson was noncommittal on whether he'll get vaccinated after being infected with COVID twice in the past eight months, says it's a personal decision. I've got to talk to my team about this and see how they feel. Uh, I just got off the COVID list again. I have to talk to doctors. We'll see. I, I, I just see that. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? You've had it twice. And you have to talk to doctors. You have to educate yourself. Who's not talking to this guy about, what, about the vaccine and COVID? I would assume that if he's had COVID twice, he has had a conversation with doctors about COVID. That seems to be part and parcel to the whole thing. Look, for anybody who wants to say it's a personal decision, you have that right. You are free of to make your choice. You are not free of the consequence of that choice. And the consequence of that choice is saying it's a personal decision is we can say, no, it's not. You're wrong because it's not a personal decision. It is the decision that when you are part of the Baltimore Ravens, when you're part of the NFL, you are affecting your entire team, not infecting, but affecting. You are affecting your entire team by that personal choice. So if your choice is a personal choice not to do it, then you're going to end up like Kirk Cousins trying to plexiglass yourself off from everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I do find it odd. And I do think the excuse of it's a personal decision is not sufficient. I don't think it's sufficient either. I, I found the weird part about him having to still have to talk to doctors. Is this going to take, and this is me being incredibly morbid, is this going to take someone dying? Like, is this going to take Kirk Cousins' tragic? Like, is it going to take a tragedy before it's, like, we have any sort of, like, well, I guess there's a consensus now? I don't think so, Jared, um, for this reason. I know people who are not vaccinated who have lost very close people to them and who have died and still won't get vaccinated. So I, I don't. Jesus. I think when you're locked in, you're locked in. Are you telling me? And look, no one wants this to happen. We're, we're going way out there with this the example. But is there anything that'll change Cole Beasley's mind at this point? I, I mean, I don't know Cole Beasley. I just can. All we know of Cole Beasley are the quotes he's given and the stance he's taken. That's all we know. I don't know the guy personally. Maybe it would change everything for him if something tragic like that happened at him. But I can't sit here and say anything's going to change his mind after you listen. After you listen to what he says and his points that he makes to support his decision not to do it. No, uh, to, to Jared's point, I actually had that thought when we first were coming back last year, when it still felt irresponsible to be coming back and having professional sports, even in the bubble when it was, uh, you know, June, July of 2020, it still felt like there was enough risk. We don't know how the virus is transmitted, et cetera, et cetera, that I thought to myself, I wonder if someone is going to have to either get desperately ill or die from this within the sports world for it to really take effect. But you talk about a Cole Beasley, Ed, um, someone who has planted his flag the way that he has yeah. and for the reasons that he has espoused, I don't think there is anything short of the NFL saying you have to that's going to get anyone who has those beliefs to do it. I totally agree. Uh, I know they'd have to literally say, you, and again, I don't know Cole Beasley well enough to where he might just walk away from football. I mean, he, like you said, his flag is firmly planted on what he believes in this. And who knows if they said it's now mandatory if you have to uh, you have to get vaccinated or, or you're not going to play. I, I don't know. Um, but Lamar Jackson now tested COVID positive twice. He just came back from a 10-day break. Um, the Ravens open up against the Raiders here on Monday Night Football. 
Uh, I don't know if that's anything to do with anything other than that that's the fact. And um, I just, Adam, I was confused that I have to talk to doctors. If this guy hasn't talked to doctors yet, I don't know who's, I don't know who's running the Ravens. Well, I mean, maybe he's taking his advice from Kirk Cousins, who said that he's done his own research, but he hasn't talked to the Vikings team doctor or the NFL's chief medical officer about COVID-19. Man. Shaking our heads here in the studio. I'm sure you are at home. Adam, thank you very much. You're with Tyler tomorrow. Uh, Tyler, scheduled to be out at uh, Summer League. We'll see how that works out. He better get out there early and get his credential. Tyler's back tomorrow. I'll talk to you from Raiders practice. Adam and Tyler on ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. Jared, thanks as uh, always. You do an incredible job. Thanks for listening. See you later, Desiree.